The economy and the current tech environment is really tough. Many people losing their jobs and unable to find new jobs. And so in today's video, I wanna help those individuals by tackling the top 10 most popular interview questions related to automated software testing. So let's go. So I went to Google Bard and asked it to give me the top 10 interview questions related to automated software testing based on search volume. And I'm gonna tackle them one by one. What is automation testing? Automation testing is basically using a tool in order to be able to validate that a system is behaving as desired. And we are able to usually write code. Sometimes there are no code solutions, low code solutions, but typically there's some kind of an output uh, from these automated tests and then these automated tests can be included in our CI pipelines in order to provide us a fast feedback loop on the quality of our software. What are the types of automation testing? Well, there are a lot. You can do automation testing on the back end of the system, in the middle tiers of the system, in the front end of the system, and all around the system. I'll just cover a few of the ones that come to initially to my mind. So if I'm gonna start talking about the full stack of the system, you can do unit testing, integration testing, API testing, front end UI testing, which is like usually also known as functional automated testing or functional browser testing. You can do accessibility testing. You can do automated front end performance testing. Many people are not familiar with that term. It's validating that the application is rendering and interacting in an appropriate amount of time so that the user experience is really nice. You can do visual testing to validate that an application looks as it should in different viewport sizes. You can do automated security testing. You can do load and stress testing, which will be on the back end of the system, ensuring that a system can support a certain amount of load. You can do stuff like static code analysis as well, which is also a types of automation testing, which is validating that your code is uh, meeting certain kind of standards. And there are probably many other ones that I don't remember right now. What's the difference between manual testing and automated testing? Well, manual testing requires a human. That's why it's called manual, because there's a human required in order to be able to create the test cases and execute the test cases. All of the time, a human has to do that. For automated testing, you sometimes probably most of the time need a human in order to be able to create the automation. Sometimes a human can run the automation. Many times a human is not required to execute the automation, right? Like integrating automation into our CI pipelines, we're able to just push code and have our code automatically be tested and provide a signal about whether that code is up to our standards or not. And that is the main differentiator in automation in that it can be done in an asynchronous manner without requiring a human. When is a good time to automate a test? I believe that automation should typically, not always, but if possible, start as early as possible. The sooner that we can start having conversations around when automation should come into play, what type of automation should come into play, and designing a system that is actually testable, 
the better the quality of our application will be. There is one phrase or one sentiment that I keep hearing in the industry that I think is completely wrong, and that is waiting for an application to be stable before we start automation. I don't agree with that at all. If we're waiting for an application to be released to production or stable before we start automation, by that point, it's too late. A lot of times that application will not have been written in a way to make it testable, meaning that, for example, maybe it's not going to have a way for us to be able to authenticate via an API. Maybe it has two-factor authentication built in that cannot be now taken out. Uh, maybe there is no way to be able to generate and drop a cookie in the browser in order to be able to simulate a login. Maybe there's no way to seed data into the application so that we don't have to manually or in an automated way, recreate a bunch of test data in order to be able to execute scenarios. And so that's why the earlier we start it, the better it is, even if we're just having conversations in the beginning and understanding what the system behavior is going to look like, we can still do certain parts of automation, such as starting a continuous integration environment, and helping build that in there, doing static code analysis, doing code quality checks, um, we can build all of that around the evolving software. When will you avoid automated testing? Automated testing is usually not possible for very subjective scenarios, such as user experience, right? How do you do automated testing for a user experience? Or how do you do automated testing to ensure that a game is fun? That part is really hard. And so there humans are required to validate that, you know, things are fun, things are great for the user experience. How do you choose a tool or framework for automated testing? Well, let me tell you how not to choose a tool, but uh, for automated testing, and that's by picking the most popular tool, the one that's most prominent in our Twitter and LinkedIn threads, and going with that one, just because we heard that it's the best. Uh, that's not how you choose it. The right way to choose a tool is to evaluate the current state of our teams and our working environment, understand the needs of those teams in the working environment, understand the technologies that are being used. Then based on that, pick a few options that we're gonna analyze and compare side by side to see which one is the right one. So for example, you might pick up WebDriver.io, Cypress, and Playwright if you want to use the JavaScript environment or TypeScript environment and compare those side by side to make sure that they meet the needs of your automation and your testing strategy at your organization. And then once you do a uh, comparison, you do a proof of concept. If the proof of concept proves out, at that point, you move to an MVP stage where you release a minimum viable product that's working, running, regular, and stable. And then at that point, you scale up. What are the different parts of a test automation framework? Well, you definitely have your tests. If you are doing UI automation, you'll probably have uh, page objects that you want to utilize as the simplest pattern to utilize in order to be able to do automated browser testing. You'll also have test data. Now, this can be test data generators that you're generating, or it can be fake 
test data using something like Faker that's dynamically generating uh, fake test data for our automation purposes. Uh, you'll also probably ha have some like helper utility classes. I always hate the term helper utility because it's like those terms are so generic and encompassing, but these are things that maybe perform some kind of like math operations. Maybe you have a CSV data generator. Maybe you have some other kind of classes that do external things to the system, maybe a database interaction class, maybe an API interaction class that do external things to the system that help us to get it into the right state for automated software testing. Um, and then you'll probably have sections of documentation as well. Uh, a good readme with step-by-step -step instructions of how to get started and run the automation. That's also really good. Should you automate all testing? Yes, of course. No, no, no. Totally joking. Absolutely not. I don't think it's even feasible to automate all testing. That We will never be able to test any system to completion. And so with that in mind, if we can't ever even manually test an entire system to completion, there will always be more to do. Uh, we can't automate that either. And it doesn't make sense. At some point, there is a diminishing return on the amount of code that we end up writing versus the value that's provided to us by the automation. And so what we want to do, and it's a constant evaluation and a discovery and a team communication and collaboration exercise is figure out what are the most valuable automations to do based on the risks of our application? And so we're constantly analyzing where is the risk in our application right now? How do we want to cover that risk? And which type of automation do we want to use in order to cover that risk? And so is this constant balance that we're going to have to be going through and figuring it out and it will never, ever be complete. What is a test environment? A test environment is typically a place where we can do testing in. So it might contain a database that anybody can do anything with. It might contain the application that anyone can do anything with. It's basically like a sandbox, like a playground where you can go, it's provisioned, most times it's not the same as the production environment in terms of like the system requirements and so on, but sometimes it can be close to the production like environment. And so you go there, you perform your testing, whether manual or automated, and you report on the bugs and the outcomes that you've discovered in your testing journey there. And then you typically after a testing environment, if our application is deemed worthy of promotion. At that point, we push it to production and show it to our end users. What are some of the best practices in automated software testing? And for that, I actually have a really cool blog post to show you. So if you go to ultimateqa.com and type in this URL, automation patterns, anti-patterns, or search for this blog post title, here over many years of my career, I've documented some of the automated testing practices and anti-patterns and red flags that should be followed and avoided for automated software testing. 
So some best practices you'll notice like uh, tests being atomic. So tests being atomic means that they're isolated, composable, and fast. And you'll see some code examples of how some automated tests are structured to be atomic, even some case studies of how we were able to achieve amazing results by creating more atomic tests that run in parallel. Uh, tests should run in parallel. Yep, that's definitely a pattern. Uh, following the page object pattern, uh, page object pattern makes automation really easy to use and maintain. There are a number of descriptions here about what makes a good page object and even a video. Uh, there is the front door first principle that you should check out. Uh, tests should be under 30 seconds on your local resources. The faster that you can make the tests, the faster you can get the feedback, um, the more valuable your automation will be. And also, when you constrain yourself to having faster automation, you're going to think of creative ways to force your automation to be more stable, use the UI less. And that actually this kind of constraint, even though kind of arbitrary, it forces you into a good design paradigm, which is why I really like that recommendation. Um, there's even an automation best practices video you can check out. Um, and then there are a number of not automated testing best practices, uh, such as using Cucumber-like tools without actually following BDD. Man, I see this all the time in the industry where individuals say they're doing BDD, but all they end up doing uh, is just using Cucumber as a tool for their automation without actually getting the value of BDD, which is supposed to be the collaboration between all the team members, they simply end up doing automation using Cucumber still in a silo. So definitely avoid that. Um, not making sure that tests do not rely on outcomes of previous tests. Uh, do not expose interactions with web elements inside of your tests. Um, assuming that more UI automation is better. This one is an important one to mention because more UI automation is not always better. More stable and valuable automation is better, but doing everything through the UI typically results in a test automation suite that is unstable, unreliable, and takes way too much time to maintain. So focus on numerous layers of the system to perform automated testing. And I mentioned the numerous layers of the system in one of the previous questions. And there's many more patterns and anti-patterns. You can see all of them here in, in the table of contents on the right. Go ahead, check them out. Let me know your thoughts. So thank you so much for tuning in into episode 24 of the Test Automation Experience. I've been Nikolai Volotkin. It's been such a pleasure to have you. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel so that you're notified of future videos such as this. And if you have any comments, if you disagree with anything I said, or you want more clarification, comment down below. 
and I'll be sure to get back to you. I answer every single comment on the test automation experience. Again, been a pleasure. Thanks so much. See you next time. Peace.